All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. Purchasing a property or building a home is something that many Australians have done, or it's something that many Australians aspire to do. I personally going through, gone through the process a couple of times. The first time was actually very, you could say, stressful. Um, and there is that anxiety level wondering if everything's being done the right way. And um, have I checked this? Have I checked that? And it's in a way, sometimes some people don't actually know where to start. And for those that have purchased a property, they would be very familiar with the term of a property conveyancer. So today I've invited a very, you could say, um, experienced property conveyancer, um, lawyer, George Suris, who is the founder and director of Empire Legal here in Brisbane, based in Spring Hill. Um, George, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Yeah, mate, it's, 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 I'm glad we could tee this up because I think we're um, our work schedules are both clashing every two seconds and you seem to be busier than ever. I was looking at your Google reviews the other day and you've got like, how many is it, like 600 Google reviews or 700 nearly? Yeah, um, nearly 700. We're getting there now. <laughs> yeah, which is insane. So it just literally shows how busy you are. Um, but um, yeah, like I wanted today to talk about a topic which is definitely very familiar to you and it's that property conveyancing side of things. And um, I know when I purchased my first property, I think I asked my agent, oh, who should I use? And he goes, oh, he just gave me a card for someone and I called them up and, you know, I just went from there. And um, at the time, I'll admit, I probably didn't know any better. Um, and I sort of just went f- through the person that he just told me to go with type of thing. Um, yep. But looking back now and from that experience, I sort of learned that there's a lot more to it than just calling someone up and getting them to do it. So can we first start off, if you can sort of just a, introduce yourself, who you are, and sort of if we can just delve straight into the topic of what a prop- property conveyancer actually does. Yes. Okay. So um, each state does it a little, little bit differently. So up here in Queensland, um, it's still governed by solicitors. So effectively, a conveyancer in Queensland per se has to work under the guidance of a qualified solicitor. Um, whereas I know interstate, uh, say Sydney, Melbourne, there's different laws down there. They're, the whole property game's different and you can actually do a certification to become like a registered conveyancer. But uh, up here, it's yeah, still led uh, by the legal industry. So um, yeah, you need a solicitor to act on your behalf in a conveyance. And I guess the, the next question is, what is a conveyance? So it's basically um, facilitating the legal transfer of land from start to finish um, so basically from when a contract's signed right and through until it actually settles and the, the title changes name. So that's what your conveyancer or your solicitor does. They facilitate that for you and they sort of step you through the whole process from, um, yeah, before you sign right up until it's settled and beyond. So essentially they just make sure the money goes to where it's meant to go and that the um, legal side things, of things. 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's things that, um, you know, come along the way, like different conditions in the contract. So commonly uh, people have a building and pest clause or a finance clause to make sure, you know, there's no issues with the property from a building and pest perspective and um, finance to make sure they can get the money to buy. So helping understand those clauses and uh, their legal position and then just making sure that, you know, the clients are guided through and they understand what they're doing and um, just getting them where they need to be, preparing with the banks to settle organizing all the documents, verifying identities, uh, et cetera. Yes, yes. And and over the years, I've sort of, uh, I've learned that not all property contracts are made equal um, and that, <laughs> you know, th- there are things to look out for because on, on the, when you look at them, it just looks like a template normally and it's something pretty formal that you think most agents would use, but there is a lot more to it. Um, can you explain what are the things that people should look out for or sort of what you help them look out for um, when they first sign that dotted line? and then are going through that due diligence process. Yeah, of course. So yeah, definitely um, not all contracts are created equal. In fact, even though there's a standard uh, template that the Real Estate Institute of Queensland uses and most real estates use, uh, the terms are all unique from you know deposit amounts to conditions, building and pest, finance, settlement periods, uh, any special conditions in there. Like for example, if you're buying in a unit, you probably want to make sure if you've got any pets that you're allowed to bring them along to your place. The last thing you want to do is go and settle a place and then uh, you find out that there's all these body corporate rules that make it very difficult for you to get your little pet dog in there and be not a great experience, I'd, I'd imagine. No, definitely not. So, um, and, and normally when you're building or buying a house, the last thing you need is surprises as well. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, when you said the words due diligence, that's exactly, um, you know, something that we counsel our clients to, including contracts, depending on what they're looking for, because you want to make sure that you don't come unstuck, even right down to, you know, some people buy a block of land with an old house on it, and they want to split it in half and maybe build a couple of new homes or move the home over. Well, you, you want to make sure that council's going to let you do that subdivision and that you've got, you know, got all your ducks in a row to finance that and talk to town planners and all those bits and pieces that if it's not in the contract and you're not protected, then um, it can can turn very, you know, I guess nasty or, or sad where it's meant to be a great experience and it can just not be if, if you don't have the right people in your corner. Yes, yes. And I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong on this as well, but do you find that many or if not many, a good chunk of these these issues that are picked up on are sometimes just mistakes. Like so, because like, and I'm just assuming that an agent sometimes wouldn't intentionally try to mislead you, but sometimes it could be something that's just left out by accident or something that's just been put in there, and and, and maybe all the good intentions are there, um, but I guess somebody just needs to make sure that it's not going to come back and cause any issues later. Yeah, well, well said, absolutely. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, you've got agents preparing contracts, filling out contracts. It'll get uh, filled out, all signed up. It'll get sent to the buyer's lawyers and the seller's lawyers. And then, you know, at the end of the day, agents aren't particular experts in the, you know, property law field. They obviously have an understanding and they can draft up a contract, but there's all this legal jargon and, you know, clauses. If you look at the standard contract, there's about, you know, 10 pages at the back, a very small fine print that, you know, no one ever reads. Yeah, no one but reads. That, yeah, but at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, that's what, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, that's my job. So that's what you, the lawyers do. They actually know those standard terms back to front and then that's where we go back and forward and make sure our client's looked after. But um, to answer your question, absolutely. Like even things, you wouldn't believe how many times, um, for example, names are an issue on the contract because mm. you need everybody's full legal name. 
and you know if you're not used to writing your full legal name you probably just write your first and your last name yep. miss out a middle name um you know it gets to the point where the contract's signed up it's been sent to the solicitors it's not a problem until it is a problem and usually that point is um let's just say you're buying and you're going to the bank to get a loan the bank identifies you they ask for your passport or your driver's license all of a sudden you've got this middle name in there yeah. and then the bank sort of starts jumping up and down saying no nah, this doesn't match this isn't the same person so then we have to go back to the seller solicitors and request an amendment and it just sort of you know it, it adds extra steps in the process yeah. that um can potentially be stressful because the vendor solicitors aren't always going to agree and then you're sort of stuck in this position where the legal entities are different and it's just yeah it can easily be um fixed if it's caught early enough like before the contract signed yeah, and, and it's it's amazing how many times I find people that have a name, but they go by something completely different. Like I had a client once, and I'm just going to make names up here, obviously, for privacy purposes, but <laughs> his name, he, since day one, he's been telling me his name's Jeff. But when we actually looked at his ID and looked at even half his super statements, there was like Alan. It was like something completely different. And I think yeah, half, right. the, half his super statements were under Jeff and half were under Alan. So it was like just the most bizarre thing. And it just turned out he just, you know, he's got one legal name, but he likes to go by another, you know? So yeah, I could easily see how that could be an issue and it's such a simple thing as well yeah and you know what you just it's pretty easy if you've been writing you know your name is jeff when it's actually alan or vice versa it's pretty easy to not think when you know you've got an agent ringing going oh hey there's three other offers on this place quick 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 come sign it up you know get down here we've got to get it all signed up and tidied up you just put your name you don't even think twice the last thing you're thinking about is you know the full legal name unless the agent prompts you and says you know can i see your driver's license let's make sure we get all the spelling right then that's just you know potential headache but again fixable These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. And and apart from the name, which is probably the most simplest thing that somebody Mm. should get right on a a contract, what what are a few other complex parts that maybe some people would definitely not see coming or not be aware of at all? Yeah, I've got a few um, a few items we can run through of common things that I see Please. and um, I guess, yeah, how to, how to deal with them. So a common question that we get uh, before people present a contract to us, like when they're, say, putting in an expression of interest or an offer, is um, the deposit. So you don't really get any education on this and what it looks like, but basically in Queensland, uh, the deposit amount, there's usually an initial deposit and a balance deposit. So um, commonly you'll see quite a small initial deposit, say, you know, $1,000, $2,000, even $5,000. That'll be um, put down when the contract's signed up. And then when the contract goes unconditional, which is usually um, when the finance is approved and sort of, you know, it's all locked in and the buyer's going to buy, a bigger lump of money will be um, put down to, you know, as security, I guess, for the vendor. So what most people don't know is that amount, the combined amount, can't exceed 10% of the purchase price. Otherwise, it actually changes the nature of the contract, which is um, Mm. usually unfavorable for both parties. So people will come to us and say, oh, well, how much deposit do I put down? And um, obviously, we can't really give that answer, but it's more just, you know, say commonly what we see is a pretty small initial deposit and then, you know, a bigger deposit later. Obviously, the higher the deposit amount, the more attractive it is to the seller. Yeah, and another thing is even the timeframes of those deposits. So the way the contract, the standard contract is drafted is the initial deposit is payable when the buyer signs. So um, what you might see is, you know, you've gone on a Thursday afternoon, you've gone and looked at this place, agent's like, yep, let's sign it up, you sign a contract, and then it's 
say they'll go present it to the vendor. If they don't do it on the Thursday, they do it, say, on the Friday. You haven't heard anything. Then on Friday lunchtime, they come back and say, all right, cool, we've countersigned, we've got a contract now. If you didn't pay that deposit on the Thursday, on the day you signed, you're technically already in breach of contract, which is um, not an ideal place to be. It sort of puts you at risk. So yeah. We we suggest everybody that's buying a place gets onto their solicitor. Um, we offer a service called pre-contract advice um, at no charge for all standard contracts where we can just sort of same day turn around, have a look at it, put some advice in writing to you. And, you know, that's the sort of things we look for immediately. We'll say, make sure it's your full name. Um, this is what we suggest you do for deposits. Make sure it doesn't exceed 10%. For that initial deposit situation, we'd say maybe um, amend it to say payable within 48 hours. Yep. That way, you know, if it takes the buyer, the seller a day to sign, you've still got 24 hours to go ahead and get that initial deposit paid. Yeah, wow. wow. And like a little pitfall that you wouldn't even think, right? Like if, no. you're, if, you're, if you're in the journey of just you've just signed it up, oh, yeah, cool, we'll go talk to the sellers, we'll let you know. And then your solicitor gets it and they freak out and they go, oh, you're already in breach of contract. And then your, you know, buying experience is a bit stressful now because you you just don't know what you don't know. So, again, you need the solicitor or the conveyancer to have a look and make sure they give you the advice so that you you go into the situation knowing what to do. Yeah, and and that that thing you mentioned, so that pre – what's it called? The pre-contract. The pre-contract advice. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's so powerful because I think I've – I have – like one of my clients recently saw you and went through that process and – yeah, there was things that I noticed that um, you picked up on that I've never had a property conveyance to pick up on ever, um, and it's just you're it's just yeah being there in those early stages. I guess you could stop these things from occurring, and man, that's so powerful, especially for someone that's never actually bought a house before and they're doing it for the first time. Which and it can be so daunting. Not can be. It is so daunting for anyone that yeah. Has it's never a huge a decision. Before. It's a huge, huge. Even if they have, you know, it's still for most people, it's not not a transaction that happens often. Like you know, yeah. people buy a house; they're not going to buy and sell every year. I mean, some people do, but it's pretty rare. Most people yeah. don't do that. It's you know, there's big periods of time in between, and you know, laws change, rules change. How it was five years ago is a bit different to how it is now in terms of the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, and also the other thing as well is um, I mean, you've probably you've touched on a few anyway but do do you have any i guess horror stories or or examples that you can give with somebody didn't really see a property conveyancer or um or they saw the wrong one or they probably saw one too late yeah (laughs) i really want anyone listening um... to this to understand (laughs) how important it is yeah if i can sort of put a few red flags up um to, to the listeners and when they they hear this maybe it'll trigger something in their memory if they're looking at buying their next place in queensland thinking all right, I remember something about this. I probably need to talk to a lawyer quickly before I sign. Um, So one thing that I've seen a few times is the finance clause on a contract not being filled out correctly. So without jumping too deep into all the the technicalities and the jargon, but basically on the contract, there's three sections that need to be filled out for finance, for finance to apply. Now, obviously, the purpose of the finance clause is it's there for the benefit of the buyer and it's for them to be able to obtain a loan on terms satisfactory to them to be able to complete the purchase. So commonly you'll see, you know, 14 days, 21 days from the date of the contract for the buyer to go away, talk to their banker or their broker, get their um, finance all sorted, get the unconditional approval and say, yep, we've got the money, we're happy with the loan, we'll proceed. So what we've seen a few times is 
people that think they've had a finance clause in the contract, like it might say, you know, 14 days from the contract date, that's been filled out. But the other two sections um, just above it have been left blank. And the contract specifically states that unless all three sections are filled out, finance clause doesn't apply. So those other sections are basically, um, you know, in relation to which financier they can choose and the loan amount. So this person's gone and signed a contract. They think they've got this finance clause there. Turns out because it wasn't filled out properly because no one looked at it before they signed. It wasn't filled out, um, missed by the agent or for whatever reason, not filled out properly. And, you know, they didn't have a finance clause. And unless the vendor turns around and says, yeah, okay, we'll allow this to happen, which they're not obliged to do. Mm. If you've got no other conditions on that contract, you could potentially be, you know, in a cash unconditional situation where you're locked into buy, even though you don't have, you know, you think you have a finance clause, but you don't. And that that's not a great place to be if, for example, the bank turns around and doesn't give you the money. Yep. Yep. Then you risk getting sued and any losses suffered by the seller, they can pursue against you and they can literally, you know, summon you to court to claim any losses. And that's an absolute nightmare when you just want to buy a place and, you know, <laughs> you know, it couldn't even be your first home. This is just a yep. terrible, terrible experience for these people to be in. And the stress involved of us trying to negotiate to get that clause there for them to protect them where it could have been fixed with some free advice before they signed. Yes, yes. And if it's free, there's literally no excuse. Yeah, well, correct. And we turn it around same day for people because the reality of the situation is, especially in this market, um, things are moving fast. Agents have lots of offers. It's a seller's market. Like if you're looking to buy, there's lots of other, you know, sets of shoes at the door where people walking through trying to buy the same home as you. So you need people, again, that can move pretty quickly. And if they get that blank contract over to you, you know, we get it out to people same day just so that we're not slowing down the process for them. Um, yeah. And also to, for those that aren't actually familiar with the, with the process, if you can just give like a very brief idea of the process, I mean, because if it's detailed, we'd probably be here for two hours, but yeah, just like a course. very brief idea as to, I guess, what paperwork's involved? Um, do people actually need to be there to even see you at all ever? Um, do they need to be there on the day that things settle? Yeah, good call. Okay, so conveyancing generally, um, when they're signing up the contract, the real estate agent will facilitate all of that. So no requirement to see the solicitor or the conveyancer. Um, in terms of all the other documentation and processes along the way, we need to verify that the client is who they say they are. So if you're selling a place, we need some sort of, you know, certified identification to say you're you because, you know, anyone could just ring up saying their name's Michael and they're selling this place at this address. So we want to have ID to verify them. Um, same thing on the buyer's side of things. So and the bank requires this basically. They're not going to give you a loan unless you've been identified properly. Um, but nine out of 10 clients, we don't actually um, meet them face-to-face, unfortunately, because, you know, they're sort of all over Queensland and everyone's busy doing their own thing. So um, they can go see a local JP or a commissioner for declarations to get all documents executed or, um, you know, they're more than welcome to come into the office and we can verify their identity as well. And then I guess moving forward right through to the settlement date, um, not required for them to physically attend. We actually have our own settlement agents here that go down to the city, to the banks and sort of swap all the papers and the money and the documentation. Um, or we're finding now since COVID, which is a, a great topic, we've got electronic settlements that have um, really started to get some great traction in the last 12 months where instead of everybody physically meeting in the city and you know handing over bank checks and bits of paper, is an electronic workspace that um, the solicitors and the banks all subscribe into and the transaction actually happens electronically. Yeah, okay. That's so much. It's sort of what you would expect in this day of age, but it's it's new, isn't it? 
it's a game changer. It's yeah. great. Since since COVID, we found even like being able to verify people's identities, we can do it over Zoom or FaceTime now, which is yep. huge. Like before oh, that, yeah. you have to actually come into the city, sit down, see us, or go see your local JP. Now we can jump on a Zoom call. You can show me your ID. I can watch you sign a document and you can post it to me. It's way more yep. convenient. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, George, if those listening to this that are probably thinking, ah, it's okay, you know, I've, the agent I'm working with at the moment or the agent I buy my properties off, I can trust and, you know, I don't need to worry about doing all these extra things, what would you sort of say to them? Yeah, well, if you're buying a property, at the end of the day, um, what you've got to remember is that real estate agent is there as an agent for the vendor, so for the seller. So it's their job to sell the house. Um, in saying that, I mean, you, you really want the guys in your corner, like I said earlier, that are, are there to to be there for you. So in this instance, you know, if, if we were acting for a buyer, we would strongly, strongly counsel them to get a blank copy of the contract over to us before they sign. So all those things we just spoke about, you know, we can advise them and make sure they understand what they're signing. Because um, we, we do see in the market, especially how it is right now, agents will be like, oh, I've got three other people and three other offers and, you know, I've got all these people that want to sign. So at the end of the day, um, you know, my advice, if you take one thing away from this podcast and everything we've discussed, it's before you sign a contract, if you're buying, go talk to your solicitor or your conveyancer and just get them to run their eye over the contract and make sure there's no nasty surprises there. Like if you just remember that and don't be pressured into signing, you know, a switched on solicitor or conveyancer will be able to turn this around quickly for you and, and not slow the process down. You can still get your house and be protected. Awesome advice. Awesome advice. And I think if anyone can take anything out of this episode, it's literally that point that you just explained. Lastly, if anybody wants to contact you or Empire Legal, uh, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, yeah, we're just empirelegal.com.au. That's got all of our information there. We're on Instagram as well, Empire Legal, or you can give us a call. But yeah, all the details are just on the website. Yeah, amazing. And one last thing, George, um, I like to finish my episodes off with a dad joke. Um, <laughs> so um, <laughs> um, I don't trust stairs. Um, because okay. they're always up to something. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. It's, uh, yeah, I normally hit the spot like sort of one in every 10 jokes. So it's sort of, you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting yeah, there. Nice. But, uh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And if anyone that's listening to this has any questions, please, you can, yeah, give us a buzz or it's just george at empirelegal.com.au. I would love to help you out, answer any questions, etc. Thank you so much. Sweet. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on sharing more than the sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases and feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.